welcome to the Friday, September 10th installment of the Silicon Insider, the only uncensored look at life and business in the Valley. My name is Mike Malone, and I'm here with special contributor Scott Budman of NBC Bay Area. Our producer is Jordan Henderson, our East Coast correspondent is Bob Grove, and our host, as always, is the Silicon Valley Business Journal. Oh, Scott, we got to start with the Holmes trial. I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's underway. It's... It's it, it's interesting. And you're covering it. I know. I feel very fortunate, and it's it's so interesting because you have big crowds. We wondered if how big of a crowd was standing outside that. There were a morning. lot of people really early in the morning because it wasn't just you know uh, the first week was jury selection. And again, I don't cover much in the way of court trials. A lot yeah. of this is new to me uh, on the court side, and very few people seem to care about jury selection. I found it fascinating, but that's because yeah. I'm a novice to this. But once it became day one, and we didn't hear from Elizabeth Holmes on day one, but we heard from her lawyer and we heard from the prosecution, the lines were down the street. So are we gonna, this is gonna be like Michael Jackson where we're gonna leave Michael alone videos and you know, <laughs> there's, is there gonna be a, a Elizabeth camp and a VC camp? You know? I think so, we saw so it's this three- Day of the Locust kind There of were stuff. three young women in line yeah. who not only had blonde hair, but dressed like Elizabeth Holmes. They were cosplaying Elizabeth Holmes. And it's interesting to think a lot of the Valley is sort of, well, they're, you know, she's someone who stole money and, you know, obviously there's yeah. that side. Um, but you have to understand there are a lot of fans, people, and we should know this because the last few Halloweens we've seen people dressed like Elizabeth Holmes. There is a, a culture that really digs her, A, because she's a strong woman, say what you will, but um, yeah, it was interesting to see people standing in line from the public who just wanted to see it and be a part of it. So she's becoming a folk hero. This is like Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, was it you? Somebody said we're gonna see the, the free Elizabeth signs pop up in Silicon Valley yes, soon enough. Yes, and, and videos and everything else. <laughs> yeah, I mean- So I, we're really getting a Hollywood, Nathaniel West, Day of the Locust kind of moment coming up here. Well, and you mentioned Hollywood. I believe there's already a movie in the works. Yeah. Uh, you know, a, a, to to a screenplay, and we've seen the documentaries, and yeah, this is a big deal, and it's getting a lot of attention. I mean, it's so big. I'm, I got I'm showing you right now the front page of the Wall Street Journal. What is the lead story on the front page of the number one business newspaper in America? Right. Well, and almost. And she's six... looking very fetching and non-black turtlenecky. Well, there. right. She's dressed differently now. Almost six years to the day, I believe it was early October, when John Carreyrou's story in the Wall Street Journal in yes. 2015 broke, and everyone realized, whoa, what's going on? Yeah. You know, behind the doors of that lab, and that sort of led to the downfall of the company. So you you heard the. Not the official opening, but you heard the questioning being asked and some of the comments. Right, and there were that the openings. Is, we did hear the well, opening. Okay, so the the prosecution is saying she lied and cheated. You know, she's a bad person. And the defense is saying, and, you know, I feel a little guilty on this one because I spent my whole life saying Silicon Valley is more about failure than success. Blah, blah, blah. A good failure is a worthy thing. And so here's the defense. Failure in Silicon Valley is not a crime. Exactly. And that's what we thought would be said. It's sort of what a VC would say yeah. when they back a company and it doesn't work. Okay, we tried it. We lost money. Maybe we have some future executives. Maybe we have some technology that can be applied elsewhere. And biotech takes a long time. Right. Healthcare takes a long time. The early defense seems to be 
just what you said. Sometimes things don't work out even when they draw a lot of money and a lot of investors and a lot of attention. Yes. And let's move on. <laughs> and I, yeah. And I'm starting to hear the argument that we discussed what a month ago, which was she can argue I was just a true entrepreneur and you fight to the death for your idea and I took it I took it too far but you know I was new at this I was young I was dazed and confused because of my boyfriend and I really believe this was going to work right even after everybody else had given up and we we celebrate that when it does work in this town right well and sometimes even when it doesn't work it leads to something good yes. um and what she hasn't spoken yet but you really hit the nail on the head of what the defense attorney said and you know almost quoting she put her heart and soul into this which is an important distinction to did she knowingly lie yes. saying she put her heart and soul into this until the end she was bitterly disappointed when it failed but she really wanted it to work she believed in it and that's why she kept going until the end as opposed to what the prosecution is saying which is at some point yes during that period she knew it wasn't going to work and she still raised money and she still did the testing and that's the distinction did she knowingly defraud people or was it like what you said the trial and error of silicon valley you know and this isn't without precedent this is just bigger you know but we've had cases in the past in silicon valley where entrepreneurs have tried to keep the company alive because they've fallen in love with their idea and their company and they one day they decide I'll do whatever it takes. And they cross that line into criminal behavior. Doesn't happen a lot, or at least not that we know about. I think a lot of VCs cover up some of these situations. But this one's just right out there. But there is a difference. I mean, in the situations you've described, even the ones that get covered up a bit, it's usually, yeah. usually just money that's lost. Right. And I don't mean to downplay fortunes being lost, but it's investors that lose money. And so you might see shareholder lawsuits, um, but in this case, people were told, you're not pregnant when they were pregnant. People were told, you don't have a disease when they did have a disease. And yeah. that, I think, is going to be crucial to this case, is hearing from those people who were told this company and its testing is valid when yes. did she know that it wasn't valid. And I mean, you swing a dead cat around Silicon Valley. I saw some friends the other day, and they said, oh, you're covering Theranos. And the woman said, you know, I, I was told I had something wrong with me because I took a test at Walgreens. Several tests later, and this yeah. is a mother of two who had the scare of her life, right. she found out there's nothing wrong with her. It was the Theranos test. And that's just someone I happen to run into and talk with. I there are a lot of people like Brusque that. Brusque's going to haul a lot of those people I up there. I think they will. Yeah. They will. Um, well, it, it's interesting. If you deter is there still betting going on among the press corps of which Elizabeth Holmes is going to show up? I, I guess she's betting, fairly chameleon-like. Right. Well, we know that the, the outfits have changed, the look has changed, the hair has changed. Well, the voice changed. That's what we're That's waiting. the big one. That's what we're waiting on. Yeah. I'll let you know. Okay. Um, you want to take any bets on the conclusion? No, you're a no, reporter. You can't do that. You're not allowed to. <laughs> no. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> next, Apple. Apple has just announced that uh, September 14th is going to be their big introductory event of Four new iPhones, a watch, a new watch model, and AirPods among the things expected, right? Well, you know, the phones usually get updated every year, yeah. and it's about time. Um, and then the watch, AirPods, who knows? That's what the 
the guess is, and uh, you know, a lot of hardware comes out in September. Yes. And that's sort of what we're expecting. Um, and you know, the 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 speculation always leads to what next could we see in a phone? You know, yeah. what is it going to do? And you know, a lot of it comes down to what people really want, right. which is a longer lasting battery. Yes, there we are. There, yeah. I, I, there's a great piece on ZDNet. Uh, a guy wrote an air of disappointment surrounding these growing sense of disappointment around these events now by Apple that Apple believers, Apple owners get excited. They expect great big things. The announcements are made at the event. They sound wonderful. But the reality is when you survey them, what they really want almost never gets answered by these dazzling new Apple products. And the one big one is battery life. Right, and I think that's what cell phone makers all over the place are, I don't know if struggling with, but that's what they want yeah. to do is, is give you more of a battery. Um, and, and it's not to say that most phones don't work all day, but I don't know, maybe if we're seeing car batteries last longer, laptop right. batteries last longer, eventually the phone batteries will last longer, or, and this is another sort of speculative rumor going around, Apple will sort of thicken the phone a bit so that a larger battery can fit inside. Yeah, there is talk of a larger battery, um, but that's a compromise. Right, um, but again, you run out of guesses as to what we're gonna see in a phone because yeah. the phones are so packed with computer-like right. functions already. <laughs> so, I, you know, it's hard to say what we're gonna see. Well, apparently the, the biggest story right now about the event is the debate over what their new MagSafe charger. I mean, there's a, there's a level of granularity we're not used to. <laughs> But uh, people are looking at FCC filings and saying, ooh, the MagSafe charger is not going to be that exciting because it's only going to be 15 watts. They're not going to speed up the, the charging process. I mean, this is, this is the kind of debate that goes on. I was going to say, that, that's Apple getting pretty world. niche. I think yeah. people really just want to know, hey, is it But they do want to charge fast, and they do want the charge right. to last a while, and they want the battery to survive. Right, right. And, and uh, you know, to its credit, I guess. I mean, Apple does talk a lot about battery life, whether it's talking about a new iMac or a new uh, iPad or iPhone, and and they know that that's on people's wish lists. Um, and it's funny because the battery strength and size and all that really does get a lot of play when we're talking about electric cars. Yes. Um, but a little less when we're talking about portable devices. And yet, like you say, that's what people really want. And maybe this is a time when that starts to become front and center because people are so used to phones that do, you know, darn near everything else. Well, I'm, maybe they I'm, want you know, a better battery. That's what's surprising about this ZNet piece was I hadn't seen one this negative about Apple in a while. You know, a pattern of disappointment. There's a gap between what the buyers say they want and what Apple serves up year after year. We've had so many iPhone releases, most following the same pattern, that we can predict pretty much everything that's coming. Right, and but you have to understand, and, and I say this as someone who's on the press side of things, there's the press side of things who might say, gosh, a pattern of disappointment. Yeah. And then what if you're an Apple shareholder? How disappointed are you that we keep setting records oh, in buying they're, iPhones? They're a happy, they're a happy bunch. Right. I know some people that have retired. Right, for the company that is side. literally the most valuable company in the world. I wouldn't yeah. call that a pattern of disappointment. So on our side, you know, hey, we're here to be critical and we're here to cast a, you know, a, an arched eyebrow at these things. Um, and the best we can come up with is the charger? Come on. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, iPhones know, are... We know what else it'll be. It'll be a faster processor. Right. It'll be a better camera. But as this, this writer pointed out, 
has anyone really changed their photography due to these you know exciting new apps and upgrades come up with a a new enclosure and then it'll go to a retro one it'll change the color but on the whole it's what we said a long time ago it's after steve goes it's apple's going to get really good at making products but where's the where's the glorious you know supernova of a great new technology right and it's almost unfair to get i mean i, I don't you know this is Apple's own fault because it hypes these things up. But yeah. at some point, it's hard to get hyped up about a new iPhone release, um, and I understand that. And and I you know I try to temper that when when we do these stories, um, because really it's been incremental changes for a long time now to the point where people are talking disappointment. Even yeah. as sales records fall, people are talking about how you plug in your phone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, when did that become a headline? But look at the stock price. That, that's the counter argument. Right. Then the counter argument should also be, um, you know, even in a time of a, a pandemic and a lockdown, how much you did on your iPhone. I mean, yeah. oh, sometimes yeah. I find myself doing whole six or seven things in a row yeah. that 15 years ago I wouldn't have done any of those things on a phone. And I think, whoa, I just spent a lot of time on my phone, but it wasn't looking at Instagram. It was being productive and sending money places and doing this. And right. I know people who have, you know, dating apps and they've they've really enhanced their social lives because of that. It's, it's amazing what you can do with these things. I'm sending, I have some friends in Oregon, live in the woods. They don't have computers, but they have smartphones. Yeah, so you they know? do have computers. They do have computers, <laughs> so they, you know. Um, the final disappointment that's being pointed out is, you know, everybody looks at the, now, they're so finely tuned on Apple, they look at the FCC filings. And I guess the Apple 12 is already being listed as a legacy product, which means, you know, its days its days are already numbered. I mean, I think we're, are we moving towards a world where you change your phone every year? Well, that's still a little expensive. I mean, as someone who likes to test a new phone every year, yeah, um, I don't spend a thousand dollars on a new phone every year, um, and and I don't have to. There's almost never been a time when I thought, ooh, if only I have that one. But one thing that's good is if you don't already have a 12, yeah. but you've seen the 12 and you're like, hey, the camera improved or the screen improved or whatever, um, the 12 price is about to drop, maybe because it's a legacy product yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and I tell people when they're like, oh, I need a new phone, hang on for just a minute. They're about to come out with a 13. If that dazzles you and you've got enough money, yeah. great. But if not, the 12, the 11, they usually keep a couple of them and lower the price. And these are strong phones and you'd be able to get them for less than what a lot of people pay for. You just them. have to get used to the looks of the other people at Starbucks that you're a troglodyte, you know, and you have this <laughs> anachronistic product where they come over and say, oh, is that is that one of those 12s? I remember those. Well, I don't know. If if uh, if I cared about how they looked at me at Starbucks, yeah. I'd go back and get myself one of those Motorola razors and flip <laughs> yeah. that open every time, like I'm in some Beastie Boy video. And I think that would impress people. That'd be slick. Yeah, exactly. I saw my AOL account just because of that. <laughs> there I'm you go. I'm a man of the people. Uh, okay. Uh, man of the people. Uh, it was an up and down week for Bitcoin. I mean, the big news was we have a country now accepting Bitcoin as currency. El Salvador. I mean, it's not like, you know, Poland or, you know, France. <laughs> EU, but, yeah. but it's, it's El still. Salvador. Right, right. And, and um, we should all watch El Salvador and its economy to see, I don't know, how Bitcoin changes things, if it changes things. Yeah. But, uh, you know, as we know here in the United States, 
Uh, we don't see a whole lot of buying and selling with Bitcoin, but I think that's because of the crazy price fluctuations. Right. But there's a lot of trading in it, there's a lot of speculating, and there's a lot of people who have Bitcoin. And so at some point, they're going to use it. Um, and uh, that's the one thing that, that I'm still waiting for. Because of the high price and the big fluctuations, it's really not all that valuable to me as a currency. Right. Um, but a, a whole lot of people want it and have it, and at some point they might do something with it. So we watch El Salvador. If the economy just goes insane because of the volatility of Bitcoin, mistake. If, on the other hand, they become the new equivalent of the offshore account, right? You know, then and become rich and a destination point, then they were brilliant. Exactly. Genius. If they become the new what Switzerland, you know, yes, people store or all their Utah, stuff in El Salvador. Those, you know, Caribbean islands. That's. Absolutely why we should watch this, yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, well this is interesting. You know, you, we've been, I'm sure you even covered it, that China is not allowing kids to use video games uh, during the week. I think they're allowed, what, an hour a week or something like that, and they're clamping down on that. Well, Chinese regulars have now summoned companies, mainly game companies, to demand they play down profits and further clamp down on how minors can play video games. So the Chinese government is now going into successful companies and saying, don't be so profitable and change your business model completely. I mean, we studied communism in school, right? Yes. And China was always at the top of that list. And I know they've had some movement away from that in some ways. They're a huge destination destination place for companies to sell things. They have a consumer culture, but especially in the internet era, they've really cracked down a lot. They're famous yes. for that. Um, and so this didn't entirely surprise me. Um, but they called in Tencent and Netties. Very profitable are, companies. Very. They're very profitable companies. Right. But again, to say, hey, you know, greater good here as opposed to your good, right? Yes, but do they understand? Profits that profits aren't just guys with you know monocles and top hats putting putting you know large bills into their you know to their vest pockets. This money turns around and, be, and is used for product development. Well, but right, that's sort of a a, a growth startup culture, right. which you know we would associate with capitalism. Yes, right? I mean I've studied Russian and I've studied that economy and I've talked to Russian entrepreneurs who tell me they wish there were more of them, that it's really hard to start companies in that culture because unlike here, you can go up the road and get funding and you can right. get an education and start a company while you're in college and Russia just isn't yet built that way. Uh, and, and China, you know, maybe it's it's sort of, this, I, I don't know this, but maybe it's the same there where it's, you know, not as much of a, I don't know, capitalist society, which we know. Well, no, but what it was, you know, it was always known as the nation of shopkeepers, you know, and that these were small time entrepreneurs. It would be the perfect environment as we saw the last 20 years for people to indulge in entrepreneurial behavior, make money, create prosperity. Yes, but it's a society that also cracks down on that. As well, we it certainly does. And, it, it, you know, and maybe we're seeing their weak spot, which is they just can't, they can't allow the runaway innovation that they would need to stay on top of the world, which is where they seem to want to be right now. Right, and so you have those who would, the, the Jack Ma's for instance, who would foster runaway innovation and funding of companies and seed funding and all that, and then you have those that are cracking down on companies yeah, like Yeah, and when's the last time you saw Jack Ma? 
Very, very good question. Yes. Um, yeah, and they're using terms like they need to stop inducing addictions. You know, that reminds me of, you know, Stalinist area, you know, breakers. And, you know. But 20 years ago, 15 years ago, we were talking about video game addiction too. No one could prove sure. it, but it was sort of the puritanical ethic of should we be encouraging our kids to play video games? And, you know, frankly, I hadn't heard that argument in a while, but during the lockdown, people were saying, oh, my kids are getting back into, you know, video games, they're addicted to them. And right. I thought, well, I haven't heard that in a while, but yeah, they were playing a lot of video games, as we know. Yeah, you know, you can argue, look around. Yeah. How salutary were those video games for a generation? And as long as I had the Wall Street Journal here, I note the beginning of another major feature scandal, which is TikTok serves up sex and drug videos to young users that you go on for, you know, other stuff and pretty soon you're heading down that hallway into the <laughs> other room at TikTok. Uh, you think that's going to be a big story? It was a pretty big story when YouTube was doing it. You know, hey, yeah. come for the cat videos, stay for the, you know. Yeah. Um, and yeah, TikTok is, is the new YouTube. So yeah, I think it's a big story. Um, and I think parents are wringing their hands uh, as they did, as YouTube grew, and as they're going to do that. Same with Instagram, Snapchat. We don't know um, how to keep that element out of social media because I don't think we can. No. And so the question is, how damaging is it if our teens, and it sounds funny to say this out loud, but how damaging is it if our teens are seeing sex and violence online served up for free? I mean, that's a pretty loaded sentence. It seems like know. that might and be you, you know, you talk about, you know, porn on... Porn and technology were born together, and they, it, porn is, in, is, is endemic to technology. It built some of these industries. We don't like to talk about it, but there it is, and it's always going to show up. Right, and so I'm not surprised that that's a hallway you can go down on TikTok, um, simply because with any social media, it seems like you know, it starts kind of cute and it starts social and fun and then it ends up leading to, well, everything is here yeah. because nothing is kept out. Well, it's designed for 13-year-old boys and 13-year-old boys, you know, that's where 13-year-old boys end up, you know, if you know the minds of them, as, you, as we both do, uh, having been there ourselves. Yes. We know where it's going. Right. Okay, and finally, uh, Amazon. This is interesting. Is this a PR exercise? It can't be. It's so it's too big. But all that bad publicity it had about employees having to pee in bottles and not being able to take breaks and all of that. Now Amazon is offering to cover four-year college tuition for most of its three-quarters of a million hourly workers. Uh, so starting in January, for the, Amazon will pay tuition fees and books for warehouse, transportation, other hourly employees who want to pursue bachelor's degrees. It will also begin covering high school diploma programs for your GD and English as a second language ESL programs. Uh, it has not finalized the list of college workers that'll be eligible, but we'll announce it soon. Okay, what do you think of that? I'm fascinated by this. Uh, a generation before me, right, was the GI Bill, and yeah. that sent a lot of young men and women to college. And it was very important because that sort of put us as a country into a place where a college degree was, I don't know if it's sort of expected and necessary for certain jobs. I still know people now, my age and younger, who can't quite crack a certain ceiling because they don't have that college degree. That's how expected it is. It yes. wasn't always that way. 
And so, yes, here in California, for example, and I could speak of many states, we have a good state college system, we have a good UC system, but there are still a lot of people falling through the cracks. Right. And they're denied managers, you know, gee, they're great at Starbucks, why can't they be a manager? Because the college degree isn't there. And so the idea that the government isn't making it happen yeah. um, and that people are still falling prey to heavy debt by getting a college degree, the idea that an Amazon or in some places a Walmart or even a Starbucks is sending people to college is fascinating to me because it's a sign of the times that, yeah, that degree is helpful. And much like we talk about housing and things like that, it's a sign of the times that the government isn't doing it. We yeah. need these large companies to step in. And that says something about society, too. I'm all for it. And, you know, once again, a reminder, HP was ahead of the curve by 50 years on everything. Because right. I went to grad school at Santa Clara and Stanford, paid for by Hewlett Packard. A very good point. You know, and I'm glad to see companies are doing it. I don't want the government to do it because it, it'll get misrun. But to see a company putting, you know, some tight monetary constraints on and doing it right and going after the gallery workers. I don't know if you saw a report the other day, but the number of males, young males in America going to college has been plummeting now for two decades. I think the average college composition, student composition is now 56% female and 44% male. And the male part is falling. Young men are not going to college. And if this offers them a chance to do it and, and also work at the same time, that's a hell of a thing. Yeah, I agree. And it's, it's interesting that it's Amazon because that's a company that has huge worker turnover. And I don't quite know how that works if you're doing college, like you have to stay with the company, something like that. Yeah. Um, but again, right. A lot of these jobs, and it, it, this doesn't apply to you as a well-educated person at a company like Hewlett-Packard, but if you're a line worker at Amazon who would love to get to the next level yes. in this thing we call capitalism, you need that college degree. And the idea that a company that hires a lot of workers is helping with that, um, I we'll, think is we'll, very we'll, important. We'll need to see the fine print. If it's like an airport, like the you know West Point or Annapolis, where you go four years free, but then you owe the military another True. four years. That's one thing. If Amazon says, you know, we'll send you to college, but when you get your baccalaureate, you have to work with us for at least two and a half years or something. Well, I mean, that's still not terrible, but it's not, you know, idyllic. No, some companies will do that as part of a training program or, or an executive training program. Right. It's not like, well, hopefully not like, hey, you got your four-year degree, but you have to spend two years driving around packages. Yes. Um, I expect it might be more of, a, of an executive level training program, which again, lets workers get to the next level. Um, and that's important. And that gives a lot of people a better chance at catching up. I have to admit, it's already changed my perspective on Amazon because I look at, at uh, job listings sometimes and Amazon's going full press out there. Come work at Amazon, you know, blah, blah, blah. Great, famous place, great place to work. You know, and I, I, look, I used to look at it tongue in cheek and go, yeah, great place to work. Bring, the, bring your own bottle to pee in. Right. And then I all of a sudden after the story came out, I thought, wow, you know, working for Amazon might actually be a, you know, a good choice for a young person. Yeah, and I, I, I will hold off judgment until I see some college students and some degrees because I wonder when I see those job listings for Amazon, all right, where are the benefits? Where are the stock options? Yeah. You know, you want people to do what in a warehouse? I've been in that warehouse. And I must say, as a parent of, of you know, pre-college graduate, being in that warehouse around Christmas time, 
I went home, you know, it's one of those days where you hug your kids and say, <laughs> yeah. whatever you do, yeah. trust dad, get a college degree. Yeah, sit him down and say, whatever happens next is up to you. But if you get that college degree, you won't have to be bent over eight hours a day folding boxes. And if they Amazon were younger, warehouse. you would have said, if you girls aren't good, you're going to have to go work at Amazon. <laughs> right. That becomes a, yeah. Um, and, and so good for them. Let's see the proof and, uh, and treat your workers better. Okay, well, that's it for now, folks. You can find us on the Silicon Valley Business Journal homepage as well as on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.